Uh, I was going to have the book handed out. The Jerusalem book was supposed to be here today. And I said yesterday in church that we were going to cover it. Tonight is going to do a quick review. They called me right away this morning. says the truck is still in south, or the pallets are still in south Chicago. But they'll be here tomorrow. And so uh, if that works out, then we'll just take boxes of books to the Tuesday night Bible study, and I'll hand them out. And well, I, I still want to do a preview, just because I'm going to be too excited. Uh, so I'm going to want to look through it, and then uh, you can have a book or two, or a box or two. And we'll start handing that out, and then we'll start on Wednesday, start shipping it out to people that request it. So we are in Mark chapter 1, verse 32. Uh, we've uh, gone through this. Jesus is demonstrating, or Mark is recording Jesus demonstrating his authority. There's going to be five areas that we can see through here. One, he's got the authority to proclaim the gospel. He's got the authority to call disciples. He's going to have the authority over demons. He's going to have authority over sickness. And then as we finish tonight, he's going to have the authority to forgive sins. So uh, this is the first phase. He's in, in, in Capernaum uh, on, on a Sunday. Or excuse me, sorry, sorry. He's not on a Sunday. It's the Sabbath, which is the sa- Saturday. Uh, and and, and he's, gone, he's taught in the synagogue. Uh, a man with a demon the demon began to speak says i know who you are jesus commanded be quiet cast the demon out and people were amazed with his teaching even before the demon situation they knew that jesus had a authority or he, he spoke with one as authority not just merely quoting others that had studied the scriptures but he was talking uh, on his own explaining the scriptures without quoting all the other people that had gone before him it would appear that's what that would refer to uh, and then they go to Peter's house. We looked at how close Peter's house was, just a few, you know, uh, not even a few blocks. It was just right there, just, you know, it'd be a one city block or closer right there in Capernaum. Uh, and when he got there, Peter's mother-in-law was sick. He laid his hands on her. She was healed. This is during the Sabbath yet, during the sun is still up. She waited on them, and they had their Sabbath day of rest there in Peter's house. And then when the sun went down, Everyone comes over to Peter's house, the city of Capernaum. Went, they all went home after synagogue service, and they began to talk about what they had seen, and, but they had to wait until the Sabbath was over before they all started visiting. And so it, the night probably went quite, quite late with Jesus uh, healing, casting out demons. Uh, there probably was, it, it doesn't make a specific note of it, but there's probably some kind of teaching going on. What's going to happen now is in the morning, we're going to read the verses. What's going to happen is, Jesus is going to get up early and go to uh, a time of prayer. He is in Capernaum right now, and I'm just going to say he's planted the seed or laid the foundation. F-O-U-N, foundation. He's going to leave Capernaum and go to the other cities in Galilee. This would be, in a sense, his first tour of Galilee. You, You can get more details in the other Gospels, but Mark makes it very clear. He goes from Capernaum, has this big day, and then the disciples are going to be like, well, no, 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 things are really happening here. Everybody's excited. This is a great place to put down roots. Well, he goes, I'm going to go to the other place of Galilee. He's then going to go off and do the same thing, plant the seed or lay a foundation in other cities in Galilee. And when he's finished here in our story night, he's going to come back to Capernaum and he's going to start teaching again in Capernaum but building on this foundation of the seed and the foundation that he's laid when he starts teaching this is where he's now going to begin to start having opposition 
this opposition or this this teaching that he's building on this foundation, it's going to start to separate the 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 chaff from the the wheat. Uh, those that everyone will show up for the healing, the demon being cast out. Everyone's excited about this. But when Jesus starts teaching, that's going to be when the second tour, as he goes through and starts explaining some things, you're going to see the opposition. Now the opposition is going to start to pile up. And by chapter 3 of Mark, the scribes, we'll talk about the scribes, uh, who've gone on a fact-seeking mission, apparently, to find out who this Jesus is. They're going to they're be making plans to kill Jesus already in chapter 3 so that's where we're heading here uh, as we continue to see jesus authority so i'm in chapter 1 of mark and we're going to pick up right there at the end of that sabbath day that we had last week chapter 1 verse uh well let's go ahead and go to verse 29 chapter 1 of mark verse 29 as soon as they left the synagogue on that sabbath they went to went with jesus or excuse me, went with james and john to the home of Simon and Andrew, and we, we, we're pretty sure we know where that house is at. It's been marked. So you got the four, first four disciples going with Jesus to Peter's house. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Again, the idea there that once Jesus ministers to you, the theme is you, you start to serve. You start to serve. For, for not, here's our first verse for tonight. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. So you can imagine not everyone's going to be able to get in at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. They want to speak. The demons... Uh, I'm going to put this in quotes. The demons know truth. Okay? They know truth. Uh, I mean, they, they, they know history. They know facts. They know information. They know who Jesus is. They knew who he was. Now, this is similar to what James, Jesus' brother, writes that uh, uh, even the demons believe. You say you believe? You say you've got faith? Well, good. Even demons believe. I mean, well, I believe there's a God. Well, that's not saving faith. Even Satan believes there's a God. And so they, Satan even knows the truth. He knows there's a God. The demons knew who Jesus was. He's the Holy One of God. We've known Him since the beginning when we were created. He's been watching over where we, we've rebelled against Him. So they know who He was. So they, they know this truth. But uh, they wanted to speak. They wanted to begin, because once they start to speak, they're not speaking, I've got a list here we'll talk about. They're not speaking with the, the Spirit of God, and anything they say is going to be corrupted, or it's going to be twisted. It's not going to be complete. Uh, even Satan, you look at Satan in the Garden of Eden. He was talking to Eve. He, he was saying things that were true, uh, asking questions, but it was to manipulate over to this other place. Uh, Satan talking to Jesus when, he was being, when Jesus was being tempted. He was quoting scripture. He was giving Jesus ideas. He had, had good ideas. You say, again, just like he had truth, he had good ideas. 
meaning, well, if you just jump off the temple, everyone will see that you float. You won't just fall to your death. They're going to be like, oh, ah, you're someone special. Well, that's a great idea. It's not God's idea. And he knows the truth, but he's not going to use the truth for capital T, the truth, which is Jesus Christ. He's going to use the information. And so whenever these demons would start speaking, they may say something that Jesus said, well, yes, okay, that's a fact. Yes, that's the truth. But you're not using it for the right purpose. And so he would not let them talk. He's going to make sure that they, he would not let them speak. Because they, they knew who he was. They know who Jesus was. Jesus wants to, I wanted to read through these verses and I'm already speaking. I'm going to go back through these notes. Jesus wants to present the gospel of the kingdom himself. He wants to present himself with his terminology. He doesn't need a demon coming alongside and helping explain what's taking place. Because as soon as the demon starts talking, there's something missing. There's the wrong spirit is being put into it. There's, there's manipulation going the wrong way. You have no part. Just like in, you can see in Peter's ministry, you see in Paul's ministry, you have no part in this ministry. Don't even, don't even show up. Yeah, but we're saying the same thing, not with the same spirit. We're saying the same thing. Yeah, but we're gonna, I'm going to look at the whole story. Or Jesus is looking and presenting it. He wants to present the gospel his way. So that's kind of what's happening there. Uh, even in, 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 the, in the synagogue and now in Peter's house, the demons are willing to, hey, we, we're ready to explain some things. And also, they're, they're willing to reveal certain things uh, that God doesn't want revealed. Because realize, uh, demons could tell you things. Demons can tell you stories. Things that you've never seen or heard that are true, that are real. But that's not for you to know. And demons are more, now you're getting into witchcraft. It's like, ah, there's certain secrets out there. Yes, there's certain secrets out there, and they, they belong in the dark. They belong in the secret. God knows them, but he's revealed what he wants us to reveal. Uh, if you go back through, uh, uh, oh, we talk about the book of Enoch, and you look in the days of Genesis and stuff, it, it's possible that the fallen angels, when they were, uh, when they were producing the women, Genesis chapter 6, were producing offspring with the women, they were also teaching and instructing things that men were not ready to know yet. And they were pushing advancing technology in such a way. Now, be careful with what I just said. I, cannot, I do not have a verse that says that explicitly, but it would make sense that the demons would come in and start sharing things, or not the demons, it would be the fallen angels. So there is information out there that if a person were to become uh, uh, go into magic or witchcraft or demonism, you'll get information. And, have, well, you can see there's certain things that some of the, the, the demon-possessed people were able to do or able to know <laughs> that was supernatural. Their strength, their knowledge. It's like, where are you getting this from? From demonic powers. It's like, okay, this is, well, you look how strong they are. Look how much they know. Not good, not good. So, Right here, Jesus is not letting them speak. He drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now, that's the end. We don't know how long that goes into the evening. I would assume it's going to go quite late. I mean, that'd be my assumption. Very early, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, it kind of gives you an idea of what time you know, it was. It was still dark. Jesus got up left the house now again notice it says the house that's going to be important when we look at this later 
I'm not going to be, be able to be absolute about certain things, but this is the house. We know what house this is. Uh, they left the house and went off to a solitary place. And he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, this is the first time this is recorded here. Uh, it almost seems like people, one way of reading this is, why did Jesus, well, he's up late last night, it's a busy night, he's going to go off to pray. Uh, he may be doing that in response to the day before. That's, that's possible. But this may be his practice. This may be, the, this is what Jesus does in the morning. He gets up early and goes off and prays before the day gets started. So keep that in mind, what, what's taking place in this verse. This is the, the first time the disciples or the public is aware Where's Jesus? It's like everybody's, where, where's Jesus? Well, no one's ever necessarily looked for Jesus before. He's, we just never, no one ever paid attention. He was always, as far as the public or his disciples, his mom, his friends would have known. But Jesus goes off to pray. Now, it may be because of this is a particular important moment, or it may be uh, this is just what Jesus does. He goes off and, he, and he's praying. Uh, Simon and his companions, and that would be, you know, uh, Andrew and James and John, went to look for him they get up it's like jesus is already up jesus is already gone and when they found him they exclaimed everyone is looking for you now they say everyone that would mean the four of them or whoever the disciples are uh maybe the rest of peter's family but it could be that people are starting to trickle back into the neighborhood back into it's like let's pick up where we left off everyone's looking for you so we can what does everyone is looking for you mean? Does it mean we're looking for you, everyone in Peter's house is looking for you, or everybody in the community or a large number of people in the community are looking? Nonetheless, we know you're gone. What are you doing out here? Jesus replied, again, this is uh, radical for what Peter and the disciples have in mind, which is going to be a constant battle here throughout the Gospels. Uh, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So he continues this first tour. Now, Peter and the disciples, they're like, wait, we came out to bring you back. They're, they need you in the city. They need you back in Capernaum. And Jesus said, I, I'm not going back there. We're, he, he is going to go back there after this trip. He's not avoiding Capernaum. But I'm not going to go back there and do that again. I've got other cities, villages I'm going to go to, and uh, he'll do the same thing. He's going to proclaim the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, which is the good news. The kingdom is here. This is, this is a turning point in history. And then, of course, it mentions demons. Demons are going to respond to it, which kind of is an interesting thing. When he proclaims the gospel of the kingdom, the demons r respond because that means their time is, is over or they're being subdued they've been they've had this free reign and now jesus is coming in saying no we're, we're now taking over this is a turning point you used to be in this pos uh, position but now i'm coming here and we're establishing something different uh so we'll come back and look at these things verse 40 a man with leprosy came to him uh, and begged him on his knees if you are willing you can make me clean Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. We're going to come back and look at this. See that you don't tell this to anyone. Similar to what he told the demons and for many of the same reasons. 
but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them or against them or for them. We'll look at that. Instead, the man didn't listen, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Now, now the man is now proclaiming the gospel. Now, this is, this is, this is one of those, those twisted things where uh, it, it's like, it's good to go out and proclaim the gospel. True, but when Jesus says so and to say what Jesus said to say. This man knows this much. He was cured of leprosy, and he, according to the law, he's supposed to go back to the, t- the temple and, and present himself to the priest because the priest would have had to declare him unclean. Now the priests have to declare him clean so he can go back to society. But instead, he, he forsakes the law of Moses and goes right off and began to proclaim these things. It's like, whoa, 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 what are you preaching? Just like Jesus wanted the demons preaching, he doesn't want this leper that's just been healed who's disobeying the law of Moses proclaiming the message. He says, no, don't, 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 no, go to the priest. I got this. But instead, he goes off, and here here's, could be an example of one of your first false preachers. Now, I, I'm not throwing the guy under the bus. I'm just saying, this guy disobeyed Jesus and went off and began to proclaim the message. What, what message are you proclaiming? And so, there's a place to proclaim the message, and there's a place you don't know what you're talking about. Go sit down. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. So what message was this guy proclaiming? Whatever it was, Jesus, it, it interfered. Jesus wanted to go to every city and proclaim the gospel, heal and cast out demons. In every city, lay the foundation this guy went out and started destroying the, 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 the area before Jesus could lay a foundation in it. He's already laying a foundation, presenting the wrong image of the Messiah uh, that Jesus was trying to avoid. Now again, it's not, it's not a ministry-ending deal where Jesus, well, it's not going to work now. I guess I might as well go back to heaven. You've messed up my plan. He'll adapt and, and move on. But it's like, that's not what you're supposed to do. Which, of course makes me look back at my life or even look at my life it's like how many times should i just have sat down and not been proclaiming or out you know messing or when we're going to find out there's a time to go out you know go into all the world and proclaim the gospel many times we're sitting and we should be out so maybe i'm out preaching when i shouldn't be or sitting down when i should be it just kind of makes you you know self-reflect there a little bit um Then chapter 2, verse 1, I want to look at these verses 2 tonight. A few days later, now that would be after having gone through Galilee, through all the cities, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, now he's back in Capernaum, this will be the second time now, and now he has moved to Capernaum from Nazareth. Mary would have moved with him. The people heard that he had come home. Now he's home, this is his home. Now we're going to have to talk about what, what home, who's home. So many gathered there so many gathered that there was no room left now at home now they're in a house not even outside the door and he preached the word to them see right there he's not healing he's not casting out demons he's preaching the word he's teaching he's explaining his ministry this is phase 2 he's he's gone off and established his authority he's got everyone's attention 
Now he comes back the second time. Now let me explain what's taking place here. I don't want, I don't want the demons talking. I don't want those that got healed go off and proclaiming what you think is happening. You're healed. Just go get yourself cleansed. And I'm going to come back a second time and I'll begin explaining what we're doing. So this is his phase of explaining. So many gathered there that there was no room, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, remember they're in a house, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. It's one of the great stories of the Bible. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So it's their faith, the man's lame, they lower him, and Jesus forgives his sins. It's like, well, we didn't bring him here to be forgiven of sins. We want him healed, and it's their faith, not the man's faith. I mean, there's got several things happening in this story that are like going in different directions, making it a much larger story. Um, uh, lower the mat when, okay, since they could not get him, Jesus, okay, the roof lowered you, and after digging through it, lowered the mat, the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law, that's the NIV translation, it's the word scribes. These were the, the theologians. These were those who had studied the law, the scholars of the law. Uh, they weren't your local uh, synagogue leaders. They weren't your local, what we'd say, quote, Sunday school teachers or Bible study leaders. These were the scholars. So this is not, this teachers of the law described, this is not the Capernaum synagogue ruler. Now he may be in, uh, agreeing with them, but this is not the synagogue ruler. The synagogue ruler, we saw him a few weeks ago, or last week, but a few weeks ago in Jesus' life here. He, Jesus was in the synagogue ruler's synagogue, teaching in the synagogue. So the community accepts Jesus. Uh, the synagogue ruler apparently accepts Jesus. Uh, he had some trouble in Nazareth where he preached in the synagogue there, and they ended up wanting to push him off a cliff. Now in Capernaum, he's in the, in the synagogue. The community comes to his house or Peter's house afterwards, and he comes back a few weeks later and is still welcome. So that seems very positive in Capernaum. So these uh, scholars, these teachers of the law, are not locals. They, they've come up from some, come up from Jerusalem. They've been, they've been sent on a fact-seeking mission. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, interesting, they're in the house, and they're not locals. They're sitting, I mean, they're in someone's house in Capernaum, maybe in Peter's house, maybe in Jesus' house. We'll talk about that in a minute, but it's like, they're in somebody's house. They're not in the synagogue, they're in somebody's house. Uh, they sat there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, again, that's the key statement. And Jesus is going to, in a sense, agree with that statement. Who can forgive sins but God alone? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, or so that you may know that the Son of Man is God, 
because they said only god can forgive sins good point so what's easier your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk so you may know that the son of man has the power to the authority to, to forgive sins or according to their words that the son of man is god uh he said to the paralytic i tell you get up take your mat and go home he got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all this amazed everyone and they praised god saying we have never seen anything like this now that forces those scholars those theological scholars those scribes to admit okay well we put the challenge out there only god can forgive sins thank you very much i agree with that take up your mat and walk there you go now you got to make a decision it's like oh my gosh we just we just gave this we just gave this guy credit being god it's like that's not what we meant well, what did you mean <laughs> it's like that's what everybody heard that's what everybody saw that's what i did and i'm agreeing with you so welcome it's like we don't agree with that and they went out and they're going to go off and start making plans they got to kill jesus because that's not what we meant but they they walked right into it so here we go here's the notes now we're going to pull a few more details out of this uh page one of the notes uh Again, I, I've referred to some of these things. I, I don't want to be redundant, but I, I kind of made some comments. I want to make sure we cover a little more thoroughly and give you a list of some of these things I was, I was mentioning. Chapter 1, verse 34, And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. This is on that Sabbath day at Peter's house. And cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Very interesting. Because they knew him. So, I mean, I mean just understand, when I wrote that, uh, again, when I wrote this on the board... The demons know little t truth in parentheses. Uh, but there is the truth, which is God himself. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, they know some truth. For example, it says right there, because they knew him. In, in, the, in the English Standard Version, it says, because they knew him. So it's interesting, uh, again, not, not to be, not to be over dramatic or a whiny or over particular but a lot of times we say things like do you know the lord do you know the lord it's like well right here well the demons the bible says mark says they knew him but he wouldn't let them talk because they're demons so it's just that when when you some we know what we mean when you say do you know the lord uh uh it's the idea of you you trust the lord you're in alignment with the lord you've come over to agree with the lord you as a christian you're being transformed into his image uh they knew who him he was they knew the lord but not in this way that a believer would know him they they know the truth of who he is but they haven't accepted or are not going to abide by the truth of who he is they're in rebellion towards this truth and they know they're in rebellion to it so again it's almost like a play on words you know and it, it, but it's it just interesting uh well james does like i said james does the same thing he says you say you've got faith you say you believe <laughs> well so do the demons they believe and shudder i mean there's they have they have a fear of the lord we should believe in the lord yes we do we should have faith in the lord yes we do we should fear the lord yes we do demons do all of that they're afraid they're shuddering they have faith they know he exists and they know who he is but there's no salvation in that it's it's something about the ideal of being in harmony of going to him uh of accepting who he is and you changing 
to become like him not being in rebellion not just knowing who your enemy is they know him as their enemy on the battlefield you've accepted him and now you know you're on his side you're a friend or he's your friend uh Point one under chapter one, verse 34, demons wanted to speak, and the reason they wanted to speak is, it says, quote, because they knew him. Jesus would, I wrote these things, Jesus would not let the demons reveal more than he wanted revealed. Once again, they could have started speaking and told all kinds of details from the ancient past. Uh, Jesus, and that was, they don't, no one needs to know that. Jesus would not allow demonic testimony because one, the demonic words would be deceptive. Uh, Their words would not be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And even if they were accurate statements by the demons, the words would be intentionally veiled, out of context, or incomplete. They may have made a true statement, but it may have been veiled in such a way where it's not totally complete, and it would have caused confusion. And I point this out. Remember Satan speaking in the garden to Eve? He knew exactly what was going on. But he provided more information. And even in a sense, Satan was speaking the truth. If you eat from this, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. God wants this for himself. He wants to establish right and wrong in his character. If you eat from this, you'll be like God, and you'll be able to come over here and establish your own right and wrong. So in a sense, he wasn't lying. You could, but it's like, well, that sounds good. I mean, we could all be gods and establish our own moral codes. Right. You could be autonomous. You could be a separate from God over here. This is what I think. Adam, come here. God never told us this. Right, because he's the creator. He's the almighty. There's only one right, and there's only one wrong. You can't come over here and establish your own, my truth, your truth. There's only one truth. And so Satan was right. He was saying the truth, but it was perceived in a different way or it wasn't as good of news as you wanted. And so again, remember the garden or Jesus' temptation. Jesus saw through all of Satan's words, but Satan said a lot of things that were true. Uh, He says, uh, bow down to me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Jesus could have been, instead of going to the cross, Jesus could have began to rule the world under Satan in 30 AD lived his life and died he could have conquered the roman jesus could have conquered the roman empire under satan's authority because satan says it was given to me and i can give it to whoever i want to and i think the bible agrees that so that was true jesus could have fallen just like eve and adam it's like you can be like god knowing good and evil it's like huh what a great deal jesus you came to set up your kingdom i tell you what I have it. I will just give it to you. All you've got to do is worship me. Satan wasn't lying. He could have done that for Jesus, but Jesus says, that's not the whole story. He didn't fall for the same trap that Adam and Eve fell for in a similar fashion. And then the other things, you know, uh, you know, Satan says, if you are the son of God, turn these these stones to bread. And when, you know, we've talked about it before. When he says, if you are, that wasn't a question. That was a statement. In the Greek, the word if is in the third class condition, meaning if you are and i know you are the son of god turn these stones bread it's like feed yourself you're the son of god you there's nothing wrong you're hungry you're a man you have the power i know who you are you know who you are just eat the bread eat, turn the stones bread he had that ability but it's like that's not his he's not out here 
to satisfy this test by just avoiding the test that he's going through. And so these are several things that Satan gave him true options, but every option would have nullified where Jesus was heading. Uh, So if these demons would start talking, they would be saying things that were, in a sense, valid, but deceptive. Uh, When Jesus, and Jesus wants to introduce himself, and eventually... Uh, when Peter comments in Mark chapter 8, verse 29, you are the Son of God, you are the Messiah, uh, it's gonna, Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, or he could say, nor did demons, uh, but God himself. So it would be God the Father and God the Spirit revealed it to Peter at the right time. Peter had seen these events, and now God was going to reveal to Peter the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Um, now again, Peter still didn't have full understanding because as soon as Jesus says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be crucified, well, that's not what the Messiah is going to do. Peter still had to develop more theology and understanding. But that was going to be revealed, and God, Jesus says it, by God. When God was ready, when Jesus was ready, when the Holy Spirit was ready, they'd reveal it with the understanding that was in line with truth. Chapter 1, verse 35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And I, I point that out here also, that, that many times that Jesus would have practiced this. Although there are, uh, point three, there are three specific times in Mark where Jesus goes off alone to pray, and every time it deals with some kind of turmoil or, or pressure. Uh, it would be right here, chapter 1, verse 35, and the, the, the pressure that we can see right here in, in the book of Mark is staying in Capernaum where he's accepted or going off and continuing the ministry and leaving an area that's accepted to fulfill the plan of God of spreading the word throughout, introducing it to the, all of Galilee. Uh, in chapter 6, verse 46, after feeding the 5,000, Jesus goes off to a desolate place to pray alone at night. Uh, and then chapter 14, verse 32, at night again, where he goes and prays in, in Gethsemane. Now, I don't think we should understand those as the only three times Jesus goes off alone and prays. I think this would probably be a common thing that would take place, maybe almost on a daily basis. Um, and I'd point to there, the disciples are looking for Jesus to go back to Capernaum, and Jesus conflicts that by saying, no, we're going to leave Capernaum and go through all of Galilee. Chapter 1, verse 36 and 37, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Verse 38, And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns uh, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Came out of heaven. I came out into the world to go and proclaim this gospel and begin to teach and lay this foundation. And so I put down point one, he's finished the first phase of ministry at Capernaum. He's going to go lay a first phase of ministry in all these other places in Galilee. And then he's going to come back later and build on it, and others are going to build on that seed. Uh, chapter 1, verse 39, and he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Again, notice that he's preaching in the synagogues, introducing the kingdom, proclaiming the gospel, and casting out demons. There's a map of Capernaum. You can see the, the city right there, Capernaum that he's in right there at this time. And then Bethsaida, which is across, that's where Peter and Andrew are from, and they've moved to Capernaum. Chorazin is up to the north a little bit. Uh, That's going to be a city that rejects Jesus. Uh, There's going to be Tiberius, is named after the emperors. That's still a city, you can still see that city there. 
Megdala, Megdala, that's uh, being excavated right now. There's Cana, Nazareth, Nain. You can see there's Mount Tabor. Some people think Mount Tabor is where the transfiguration, transfiguration took place. I, I think it's Mount Hermon because they're at Caesarea Philippi when it takes place at the base of it, and then they go up the mountain. It just makes more sense. But go ahead. That, that's what I think. You can consider the others. Uh, then you can see Tyre. Now that's out of the country. So Caesarea Philippi, that's out of the country. That's up in Syria. Tyre's up in Phoenicia. So somewhere between Caesarea and Chorazin is a border where you go into Gentile territory. Again, that would mean the transfiguration took place outside of Israel in Gentile territory in, in the time of Christ. Okay, now, <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 40. And now while he's going around to these cities, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now this leper has heard that Jesus has authority. And it's one of the things that you've got to be aware. Not everyone who comes to Jesus is coming with the same understanding. Um, and Jesus doesn't say the same thing to everybody. Uh, for example, uh, the woman that touched him, he turns and said he felt power go out from him. And he says, your faith has healed you. Uh, there's going to be a times where Jesus, someone is healed, and he says, you know, they, he says, I, I want to stay with you. A demon got cast out. He says, no, I want to stay with you. Jesus says, no, go back and tell everyone what God has done for you. Here the leper comes and uh, says, if you will, you can make me clean. Uh, this is different than going into Jericho when uh, uh, Bartimaeus, the, the blind man, says, son of David, son of David. He calls him son of David. Jesus turns, meaning that's, that's, that's a code word. That's a, that means that you know, he, or he, he understood that this man knows what he's talking about. Uh, even the Phoenician woman says, you know, he says, you can do these things. We know who you are. Uh, this, it is possible, again, I, I'm, I'm reading into this, and you don't have to, you shouldn't accept this. You should, I'm just saying, think about it. This man knows that Jesus can heal him. He's seen the power, he knows about it, and he's there for a healing. Uh, and, and Jesus is going to heal him. He's going to touch the unclean leper, uh, which would be a, a, a violation. Uh, it would be an unhealthy thing to do. It would not be common. This man is probably out of bounds even being among people, and he's maybe staying a distance from Jesus because he's a leper. And it, it's a, it's a, a disease that can spread. Um, this man who is a leper is, uh, has probably been inspected by the priest or at least someone. It's amazing when you look at how much the priests were in charge of medicine as far as inspecting boils and sores and some kind of disease that was growing on the skin. They would, they would inspect it. Uh, but this man was probably declared unclean because of leprosy, and he was inspected by the priest. And here is bottom of page 2. Leviticus 13.3, on up to verse 45 and 46 says, the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. This is, out of, this is in the law of Moses. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. This is Moses writing. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him 
unclean yes this is leprosy you're unclean there's a whole lot of other words that go in between there's dot 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 there i'm skipping the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose he shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean unclean whenever going around whenever someone's coming down the road or getting close to somebody he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease as long as he has the disease he is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You can no longer engage with society because your disease will spread to everybody else. That's an unclean person. Okay, that's, that's this person that just came up. That's what the mo- law of Moses says. A priest would probably have inspected him, declared him unclean, and he's now got the garment, the dress of an unclean, and the rules. You've got to let everybody know, I'm unclean. Similar to COVID. Uh, chapter 1, verse 41, especially when it talks about the upper lip, cover his upper lip. Uh, the mask has to be up over the lip. We'd say the nose uh, if you are uh, uh, infected or not. Or, well, nevertheless, that, there's just too many comments I could say there. I'm going to move on. Chapter 1, verse 41, moved with pity, uh, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Um, and immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. I, I have this written down, oh, it's coming up, where the, the, the man that is going to be lowered down is going to be healed because of the faith of his friends. Not the man's faith, not Jesus' faith, but because of the faith of his friends. Here, the man comes up and just says, you can do it, and Jesus says, I am willing. This man is being healed differently than the paralytic, if we were reading just the words here it's being done because jesus wills it done the paralytic was healed jesus says because of the the faith of his friends and we and we can look at that some more uh i will be clean and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean so a, a major miracle over over leprosy chapter 1 verse 43 and jesus sternly charged him you see that word sternly charged him we're going to look at that and sent him away at once and said to him so he he gives him a charge sends him away sends him on a mission and says this to him see that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what moses commanded for proof to them so this is saying this right here they are in here's galilee sea of galilee jordan river there's the dead sea down here here's jerusalem there's the temple they're up here in galilee let's say they're right here somewhere in that area this man gets healed outside the city we're going to assume he's not in the city we wouldn't guess and he says go don't don't say anything don't tell anyone go to the priests in jerusalem now again this is samaria you maybe can't go here the samarians would oppose you going this way they would not oppose you going this way so when jews would come down this is a side note when jews would go to jerusalem they'd have to go over here and walk on this side that's the king's highway easier travel and then go through jericho up to jerusalem because the samaritans would oppose you moving towards jerusalem but they would not oppose you if you're going away from jerusalem because that's what we want you to do leave 
get out of Jerusalem because they oppose Jerusalem. That's why Jesus, one time, goes through Samaria. He's leaving Jerusalem, meets the woman at the well on his way back to Galilee. Later on, when they come down to go through... That's my phone. <laughs> I got my ring on because I don't want to miss the call from the truck company because they call and tell me... Hey, <laughs> hey, Tony, Tony, you need to hang that up. My son's talking to me over the, f- the TV. <laughs> my fault, my, my fault. Well, because I got the ring on. I left the ring on because, because the, don't, don't turn it off. I'm sorry. I, I need to leave the ring on because when the truck company calls, I've got an hour for them to get here. And so that's why that happened. Usually I don't have my ring on. Usually I don't even answer my phone if you ever try to call me. Anyway, remember when Jesus was going this way, uh, the Samaritans opposed him, and that's when James and John said, you want us to call fire out of heaven and consume them. And Jesus said, no, let's, we'll just go around like this. So going this way, they were fine. Nonetheless, that has nothing to do with what we just said, except <laughs> this man is supposed to go to Jerusalem, and I drew an arrow this way, which violated my conscience because he probably would have had to go this way to Jerusalem to go there. Okay. Now, the reason he needs to go to Jerusalem, well, first of all, let's look at point two. The law of Moses required a healed leper first report to the priest for inspection and an eight-day ritual. So he he says, don't talk to anyone. Go straight to the priest and show yourself, and you're going to go through an eight-day ritual. They're going to check you out, and they're going to agree you are clean. And you need to do this because that is your license back into society. You've been vaccinated. You can now shop where you want to shop. You can now travel because you've been vaccinated. That's the way Americans of 2022 would understand it. Uh, But he's been cleansed. Uh, And here's what it says right here. Uh, In Deuteronomy 24.8, first of all, it says, Take care in a case of a leprous disease, to be very careful to do according to all that the Levitical priests shall direct you as I commanded them, so you shall do, so shall be care, so you shall be careful to do. So first of all, in Leviticus 13, that describes how a priest would declare someone unclean. Deuteronomy, Moses, as he's saying goodbye to that second generation, getting him ready to go in, he says, make sure if you're a leper, you follow all the decrees of when the, what, what you're supposed to do. When they tell you to get out of society, or if you've been cleansed, how to get back into society. Now Leviticus chapter 14 tells you how to get back in society. And this is what Jesus is referring to. This is very interesting, because Jesus did not come, he even says himself, to abolish the law. He's not saying, ah, oh, you're healed now, don't worry about it, just go on with life. He says, no, you, you're in a society that I've cleansed you but you are not cleansed. You don't have your paperwork until the priests look at you and inspect you and say, you're healed. You are clear of leprosy. And it will be a testimony to them. Now, what does that mean? We'll talk about what that means. Uh, There's probably one clear way that it means, and there's three other options that you can throw around. Uh, But here's what it says, chapter 14 of Leviticus. And there's verses 1 through 32. I'm only going to read the first three. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. This is in the book of Leviticus. If a person with leprosy is healed, 
Now, that doesn't happen because it's a disease that just deteriorates you until you die. But in the law, if there is a person healed, this is what they should do. So, in a sense, Jesus could be waiting since the days of Moses for this very moment to heal this guy and go, okay, now go do Leviticus 14, 1 through 32. I wrote this for you. This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then, if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop, dot, 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 dot. And I drag off there because it goes on now for another 28 verses of all the rituals, which will ultimately include eight days of routine and then coming back after eight days for the final inspection, paperwork stamped, you can go back home, you can go back to society, uh, you're cleansed. Now, this right here, what it means, it says, point three, it says, for proof to them for proof to them it can mean these four things it probably means c it probably means evidence that the man has been healed it probably means nothing more than go back like the law says as evidence they'll look at you and you'll provide evidence in your body that you're healed you're no longer a leper so as evidence for them show them that you're no longer that you're healed or that you're no longer a leper it could also mean, and you could you know, dance around this, just put this on the shelf. I think that's what it means. That's just that's the straight-up reading. Go show uh, for proof to them that you are no longer a leper. But it could mean evidence of Jesus being faithful to the law. When they say, I've come and I'm not following the law, I want you to be right there to say, yes, I'm following. I told you to do Leviticus 14. I told you to do this. I'm here because Jesus told me I'm supposed to follow Leviticus 14. That would be cute if that's what it meant. That'd be nice. Or evidence of Jesus' claim to be the Messiah. Because in the conversation, uh, how did you get healed? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Jesus, I knew he had the power to heal me, so I went up and asked him if he would be willing to heal me because I knew he could. He says, I'm willing. He healed me. He says, be healed. So that's now a testament. It's like, who can do this? Only God can heal like this. I wonder who Jesus, so as a testimony, and the thing is, you understand from other discussions how many documents are kept in the temple. I mean, they would have lists. That's why Jesus' genealogy can be traced, because they kept lists of these things. A lot of things were burnt in 586 in the Babylonian destruction. A lot of things were burnt in 70 AD with the Roman destruction. But we, can, we find the bula from the, the documents. They still have the clay seals that fell off the burnt documents. Uh, but there would be records of this man being healed. They could go back and find, well, this man was healed right here. It says right here that Jesus said be healed, and he was healed. So it could be evidence he's the Messiah. Or point D, so that I have evidence to use against the religious leaders when they reject Jesus. So when Jesus, he says, as, as a testimony against them or to them, that when they come and say, you're not the Messiah, you can say, well, let's check the records. You, right there it is. You, you've, got it written, you've got it written down in the temple documents that I'm healing people. Uh, those are all fun ways of thinking that's what jesus meant but most likely he meant just as a testimony that you can go back get your paperwork get your vaccination papers and get back to society but instead chapter oh, oh i didn't look at the key phrase right there this is a tough word right here i've got it in a square box in chapter 1 verse 43 uh it the word the hebrew the greek says kai m 
Broma Ace Emenos. Okay, there. I'm just trying to show off. I'm reading the Greek. Uh, but the word en, it means engaged in. And the word bremomai means to snort or to snort with anger. When you put them together, it means to be moved with anger or to admonish sternly. It's like, like a horse snorting because it's like, it's, I, I was going to imitate it. That would sound terrible on the audio with the microphone right up against my mouth. But a uh, uh, horse snorting, it's like they're, they're upset about something. They're, they're, and it, when it's applied to, when Jesus is saying this, it's translated, having sternly warned him, it would mean snort with the notion of coercion, springing out of displeasure, anger, indignation, or antagonism. In other words, I know what you're going to do. Don't do it. Go to the priest. Don't go running around talking and explaining what's going on here. Just go to the priest, follow the law. And it's almost like displeasure. It's a tone of displeasure. Don't do it. I know what you're thinking. Do not do this thing. Go to the priest. One, it's the law. Two, that's not your job. Your job is not to go out and tell everybody what I'm doing. Or express in, indignant displeasure with someone. So it's all, already Jesus heals him. And as soon as he's healed, Jesus gives this indication, I'm displeased with where you're heading with this. Or it could mean right here, to charge sternly. I, and even if he's not like showing any sign of anger, which he could have been like, I know what you're going to do. He could be telling him just simply, don't go and tell everybody. In other words, right here. And having sternly warned him, immediately he sent him uh, away and sent him away at once and said to him, here's, here's his charge. Here's what he sternly said. See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. From point A to point B, don't talk to anyone. Go to the priests. They'll come out of the camp to see you and they'll offer the rituals for your cleansing. I'm telling you, don't do anything else. And so then that leads to this next verse right here. But, the heel leper went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. What news? The good news? The gospel? His side of the story. He's spreading news about what Jesus did. He's, he's not teaching the law of Moses because the law of Moses says, go down here. He's not listening to what Jesus says. Jesus says, go down here. He's out spreading the news. What about the gospel of Jesus' kingdom? He's spreading the news about his own experience. He's talking about, here's what happened to me. Who knows what he's saying? But it does not like, it's no different, very similar to if a demon's explaining it. It's like, you're not following the law. You're not following the truth. You're just explaining from your view what took place and spreading confusion and disinformation. There you go. He went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. Not, and this is not, it's not the good news. It's just information. So that Jesus, here's the result, could no longer openly enter a town. All you got to do is find him and he'll do whatever you want. All you got to do is find him and he'll heal you. All you got to do is ask and you'll get it. it. It sounds like some prosperity preacher. It's like, no, that's not the way it works. Don't teach that. And yet, they've got the TV shows. Yet, they've got all the ministries. That's, they've got they, all the sales. It's like, it's like, no, stop it. 
openly, he, Jesus no longer openly entered a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So now they've got to go out and meet him out there because he can't come into the cities. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Okay, we're going to run out of time here, and we're going to end with this, I guess. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, and when he returned to Capernaum, so now Jesus has gone back. He's, he, Jesus has been, Jesus did not go down here. Jesus has been traveling in Galilee. Now he's back in Capernaum, right there, and he's in the home. Now this home could be Jesus' home. Jesus moved to Capernaum. Now does Jesus have his own house? That he and Mary would be living with him in his house in Capernaum. Jesus is not just out sleeping in the street. People say, well, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So he just like lays in the dirt somewhere. Jesus, ha- he has nice clothes. He, he travels. He goes to find dinners. I mean, he's, he's a man of the, uh, of the people. He's in society. He's not just sleeping. He's not homeless. I mean, we get all kinds of crazies, barefoot, long-haired, homeless. And that reminds me of a joke. But I got, don't have time to tell the joke. I want to tell it, but I'm going to got to do it with Jesus' long hair and walking everywhere he went. Um, the dad said, uh, uh, the son wanted a car. And dad said, you cut your hair and I'll get you a car. Jesus said, well, Jesus had long hair. Dad said, yeah, and Jesus walked everywhere he went too. So he didn't get the car. Okay. Uh, Jesus had moved to Capernaum. The home or the house, it could be Jesus' personal residence. You've got to think Jesus is either living with Peter, which means he moved into Peter's house with his mom, or he's got his own place. So this house that Jesus is in, is it his house? And the people are crowding into Jesus' house. It would seem most likely in the book of Mark that they're back in Peter's house. So Jesus is back at Peter's house. Or it could be anyone in the city of Capernaum's house they're at. I tend to think they're back in Peter's house. The very house that we were in on that Sabbath a week ago when we were talking about it. Now they're back in that house. They came back home. Uh, that There's not a slam dunk on that for any reason. Uh, but that would give even more credit to the idea that they marked that house where Jesus was at in the very first century. That kind of became the headquarters of Jesus' ministry in Capernaum. Because where else, what, where are the other house, where's Jesus' house? If, if Jesus had his own house, why, why haven't they marked that? I mean, they don't have to. But you'd think they could mark Peter's house. They could surely have marked Jesus' house. Um, and again, that's not an issue. I'm just trying to bring it to life. If you look down here at the bottom of the page, this is from last week. This would be the house that this is Peter's house. And I sent it. I sent a couple of people. I sent this image to uh, because when we looked at it last week, you saw all the buildings around it in the in the first century, and then in the the 400s or 300s, uh, and then up through the ages, including what they have built over today. But that right there is the way the house would have looked. The, there's the floor plan in the middle. And then off of the side, you can see that open room right there that's got like a the black wall. That is the room that is in the center of all the buildings. So those other rooms were there in the first century, but they were excluded when they started building sh- a shrine around it. So that would be the room right there that jesus would have been the public meeting place notice that open court right there in the middle that's where the fire would have been uh they would have maybe you know prepared the meals there and then there's rooms going all the way around do you see what i'm saying right there and that one that has the the black line the roof's been removed so you can see into the house otherwise that would have a roof on it also which if 
this is the house, and if it's not the house, the house that the, the roof was taken off and the paralytic was lowered down would be similar to this house. They'd have an open courtyard. There'd be like an open courtyard here, and then there'd be a room, a house that would come up here, right up in here, and then you can see there's another room over here. Now we're into the Sea of Galilee right here. And this, this is open, the sky, and there might be you know, a, a room over here and then another room attached over here or something like that. And this would be the, this is the room that they built the shrines around right here. And you can still see the, the walls and stuff archaeologically, but this was what was honored right here. So if this was, uh, could be the place where the roof was torn off so they could lower the man down into, and it would make sense because this would be crowded with people. Everybody would be crowded in the open area. They would come in. There'd be people looking in windows and stuff. But anyway, that, that you can see that place. You can see those walls in Capernaum today. And that's kind of where I think this story, at least it would be, it could have taken place. And if it didn't take place here, it took place in a house in Capernaum. That would be similar to this. The question would be, and it's not even a, you know, an important question, but I, you know, did, is this Jesus' house that he's in? Or is he at Peter's house where he has been before? Or is he at someone else's house? It's somebody's house in Capernaum. And then it, that it leads to Jesus have a house that he, he would have lived in. Uh, and we'll pick this up on, on next week uh, where we're at. I got, oh man, I got a whole other page there to go. So we'll pick that up. I guess we're going to start chapter two next week. So thank you for being here. Tomorrow night, uh, if the books come, I'm going to hand out some books and we'll look at the Jerusalem book. And uh, if you're watching online, send me an address on an email at gw at generationword.com and ask for some books and I'll send you how many books you want of the Jerusalem, uh, the revised edition that we put together this summer. Uh, let's pray and we're done. Father, do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We ask that we may be a people that is seeking after you, that is pleasing you in our lifestyle. And Father, do ask that you would continue to lead and guide each one of us, that we would do the things you've called us to. And we do thank you for Jesus and his ability to heal, to forgive sins, to restore humanity, and to, to neutralize the kingdom of Satan. We do look forward to the arrival of your kingdom in its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.